It's Guild Ball Tonight, your independent source for Guild Ball news, information, and conversation. Episode 89 for January 21st, 2019. Alright, well, hello and welcome to an on-time episode of the Guild Ball Tonight podcast. Now, I am your, uh, actually painting at the moment, which is a fun thing to say, host Phil, and uh, joining me tonight, because nobody's told him not to come back, uh, we've got Kevin again. Hello, I'm here. And then, uh, because I need him to come back, because he tells me what we're talking about, we've got uh, our regular co-host, Bill. How you doing, Bill? I, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm baffled. How did the Canadian take over the second spot there? I, I think I didn't want to forget him. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm just I'm so quiet. I'll cor- uh, I'll correct that next time. It's really hard to to miss. He, me, has, so. he has so little to add. Yeah. Well, I was I was looking at the I was looking. At it's the... cold out. Look, it's cold. Hey, it's cold here too. Yeah, it's yeah. probably colder here. Yeah. Hey, it's like sixty degrees outside. I am I am I'm miserable. It was like minus thirty when I woke up this morning. So. Yeah, that's a little absurd. Okay. I mean, it is it is it is a winter for two days in Florida, and I and I think we're going to die. It is fifty degrees right now. I'll have you know? Oh no! I mean, we put the dog in a sweater. Oh my god! Um, no, but I was looking at Skype, and Skype has Kevin before Bill on on my header right now, so that's why I did it that way. It has it has nothing to do with preference, seniority, or because um, <laughs> I would not or be anything in the city. Oh, I mean, fine. I'm being forced out. I'm being forced out. <laughs> no, I'm just setting this up for uh, for the Canadians to take over. Uh, I don't think that'll happen. <laughs> All right, very good. So uh, let's see, what are we going to talk about on tonight's show? We are going to talk about uh, a change to the the organized play, which for once I think everybody's excited about. And then, um, and then I think we're just going to have a, 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 a big talk about filthy casuals. Is that what the uh, the agenda was? So, uh, sure. Bill's Bill's bone to pick was casuals. So. All right, sounds good. But first, Kevin Kevin has to apologize for something. I think yeah, I'm not going to apologize, but I'm going <laughs> to correct apologize. myself. So you're um, not you're not going to say sorry. No, I'm not going to say sorry. Okay. Then. Um. So last week we were talking about the. Uh, the world championships and it's been brought to my attention that uh other than the uh kingdom con the east uh, sorry the united states west nationals uh all the other tournaments that did not hit 30 people had to pay for their own ticket and i stand corrected now i will tell you why i thought that they didn't it's because I thought that every other person except for italy and the west nationals had actually hit 30 so that's why I was wrong. But I was wrong. So there it is. Mia culpa. All right. Well, you know, now that now that you've made a mistake of that magnitude. I know, it's terrible. We, uh, so, we have do you know our, our what... reputation is now completely shot in the community. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> sure, it's fine. I fix clocks, though, so I guess that makes up for it. 
Oh, is is this the Kevin rule? Uh, I mean, it's a little bit arrogant to call it the Kevin rule, but yes. Um, was it was it arrogant to call the previous change the Phil rule? No, because it was the Phil rule. <laughs> Excellent. As long as we as long as we've defined our terms. <laughs> As the one uh, person in the guild ball world who uses clear bases, having finally had the OPD change to support it, was was uh, was perhaps a bit um, solipsistic. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was a victory. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the details. What did they so change? What are the changes to the OPD? Well, it's pretty straightforward. So you, we all know the previous clock rules. You've got when you uh, hit. Uh, your clock, where when it ran out, when you hit your 45 minutes, uh, you'd go into a clocked out state and uh, you'd get one minute activations where you'd have one minute to do your turn. When the one minute ran up, you got one victory, your opponent got one victory point, and then your activation ended. Uh, Not just if it ran out, when your activation, sorry, when your ended, activation ended. and your activation auto ended at a minute. Yes, yeah, so let's brutal. be tech, let's be as pedantic as possible. But yes, that is correct. I'm not trying to be pedantic, but it leads no, into... No, just correct. Pedantic, correct. You're trying to be as correct as possible. We're talking about rules. It's important to be clear. So what's the new rule? So the new rule is very similar, um, but very improved. So up until 45 minutes, everything is the same. It's fine. Nothing has changed. When you hit 45 minutes and you clock out, as soon as you clock over the 45 minutes, you basically add five minutes to your clock. Every activation during your five minutes, every time you end, uh, gives up one victory point. That's pretty much the same as usual. But at the end of five minutes, it's a death clock. You lose if you hit that the end of that extra five minutes. So essentially what it does is it means that when your time is up, or sorry, when your 45 minutes is up, you have five more minutes. You can go at whatever pace you want. You can do whatever activations you want. You still give up one VP per activation, but you don't just have one minute, regardless of how much uh, influence you want to spend. So if you have your captain, you want to spend two and a half minutes doing a captain activation, you can do that now. Yep. And, and tell me why everybody's happy with this. Cause, and then I'll, I'll ask my other questions. So, as Kevin is like baffled, what do you mean? Everybody's not happy with this? No, no, no. I'm it's, trying to phrase awesome. it that isn't just patting myself on the back. <laughs> uh, no, pat away. I mean, I, I wrote a big blog post, and, and I talked to Jamie P. about this at uh, SteamCon UK. Um, one of the things that bugged me about the the extra time was that it's really sloppy. It's a really sloppy time period. Um, people are continually doing these one minutes, one minutes, one minutes. Um, and you're rush, rush, rushing. So you're taking this, this end of game situation and you're turning into a big rush, which can be a big mess. And it doesn't add fun to the game. It's just kind of like you can't get punished for running at a clock. So I talked to him about this and he... He said to me, like, look, we hadn't been thinking about this, but this is an interesting topic, and I'll take it to the dev team. And I was like, cool. And then they went, and they came up with this solution, which I think is a... It's not exactly what I proposed, but what I proposed was a little convoluted. Um, <laughs> but it's, essentially, it's just, you know, make the end of the game 
a little friendlier and less punishing, cleaner. Um, and, um, yeah, and, and it, it should just, it feels better, I think. Yeah, I so I will say I'm probably, I, I don't dislike this change. There mm-hmm. is one part of it I can't stand. Which is? Uh, the death clock. I hate games that have death clocks. Mm-hmm. Except and all- if there was a death clock on the game, a hard death clock on the game, at the beginning when it came out, I would have likely kept looking for other games. That is... Okay. Yeah, I will um, say, to, to Bill's point there, one of the things that... One of the things we really liked about the original OPD at the time... Mm-hmm was the fact that it did not have that hard death clock and that you could you could have that flexible end of game state but i think that the problem that came with that was very much what kevin is talking about it just got sloppy and it got well, weird and, and to that end i would be interested to see i i do not believe that this will make it less sloppy uh I believe I, that clean players will continue to play clean, that a f- five minutes or one minute activations, either way, it's going to be rushed. Yeah. I think it's going to force uh, an opportunity for the people who already go into the tank and got low on their clock because they were in the tank to get even more analysis paralysis as they try to solve the puzzle of how do I solve this in one activation? And now they no longer have... I, in, Yes, it sucks to be in the tank and have that minute run out, but I think it's going to be even worse now. Uh, I don't know how it could be worse, because what you had before, instead of a death clock, was multiple death clocks. You had a one-minute death clock over and over and over again. Yeah, and that that I think is really... No, I I think you and I have different definitions of death clock. I mean, no, but it was like because but... I've won games in that final. In and that you can final still win minutes. games in that final one minutes. You just have only five of them now, or not even five of them. You have yeah. five minutes, right? Because how much of that time were you, were you were you taking ten minutes in one minute activations? No, nobody was taking that amount of time. See, and that's where this that's where this is kind of splitting the, the differences. That I mean, ultimately, you've got the same amount of total clock time as if you were five points down but Uh, what i will say is that you know when when i played i've only clocked out one time in an actual tournament um and i found those what those one minutes to be infuriating to the point of almost wishing that I had just auto lost the game because I couldn't accomplish anything in those those one minute breaks, and it's very I think it's very it's almost more demoralizing to have to stop midway through an activation and then have left that influence and left that that activation unfinished because you probably probably whatever you were trying to do is now visibly undone and the rest is just running out the process now. 
Either that or you're just like firing your dice down and you're picking yeah. them up and you're like, I roll three dice. Okay, I roll whatever, right? And yeah. so you're just doing these things super, super fast. Because if you were going to a minute and 15 seconds, mm-hmm. those 15 seconds would have been the end of your activation where probably the important stuff is happening yeah. and just gets cut off. Yeah, so it's kind of so, like I hated those. You know, before before I think we played those one minute activations as many as you need. It sounded like a really good idea to not have that. This is a death clock. Boom! It's done. Right. Uh, it sounds different then, than a death clock, but, but it's then not, it really. just didn't work that well. And I think that this new version. It keeps the every activation adds a point to the opponent, which is a cool effect. Uh, let, let me also just add this. I am hoping it never happens in any of the events I'm running because it will seriously make me consider instituting a uh, band from events for bad sportsmanship. I'll uh-huh. be clear about that up front. But the first time I, I am... Just like we have had people in the past who went, hey, I can submarine up and I'm going to show the flaw in the system. Literally, after everything that was done with season four, they've now reversed and said, and we're going to build a win condition into the game of never engaging with your opponent. Because now I just have to wait out your clock. Kill the ball, wait out your clock, never engage with you, run away from you, make you chase me, and I... Auto win. There is no earning points at the right thing or making sure I kick off. We removed all that. I just got to get a okay. couple of minutes I up on I just want to point out, as someone who has definitely done that recently, <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's five minutes or if it's some number of activations where you get points. Okay. There is no way at the end of the game that you're sitting there for 12 one-minute activations and being like, yeah, I'm totally going to get all of my points just by running away from you. It's never going to happen. Sure, you might get five points that way, but you would have got five points that way whether you're doing one-minute activations or five minutes of however long you want to do your activations. It's not much different. Like, it really isn't. And I understand what you say about Death Clock, right? Like, I understand what you say. Like, I, I get it, and I agree that, like... It feels more punishing. It feels more punishing, but it isn't. And that's the thing. Like, I get why you feel, think it feels more punishing. Because if your clock runs out, you lose. And that's not something that's totally in the game right now. But if you clock out, and you're sitting there trying to do one-minute activations, how many one-minute activations do you think a good opponent is going to let you do? Like, how many uh, So, ooh, I'm not talking about good opponents at all. I'm talking about okay. mid-table and below. The people the people who I am most interested in not punishing, because good opponents shouldn't be running out their clock. And even if they do, they should have a strategy for a win condition within an activation or two. Here's the thing, though, to me. How many lower mid- and lower-table players were enjoying... Sitting there with a stopwatch, having someone watch you going, your time is up now. It sucked. I mean, they both I have sucked. Had, I have had at least, I, I, anecdotally, I've had at least two games in the time I've been playing, not my games, two games in events where I've TO'd where people came out of the game having been on clock for multiple activations. Sure. 
and told me how exciting that made the game that at the very end of the game it came to that kind of push now look they're gonna have the same type of push with the five minutes absolutely except that it now potentially feels worse it now feels worse because i do my five minutes and where i might have thought i had a chance before and didn't as a mid-table player, but I thought I did, which means I feel great coming out of a game where I'm like, man, I almost pulled it off. Now I'm going, oh, fuck it. It's in the five minutes. I don't see a way to get done. I might as well just drop. But how different is how different is somebody playing uh, kill, it, kill the Clock from people who play Kill the Ball. I mean, a denial game sucks. Oh, no, I think it's going to be the same person. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be me. But like, before... Probably. Before... <laughs> awesome. It wasn't happening that much, and now you've built that win uh, condition, hard I, win condition, into the game. I... I don't... <sighs> How do you run away that much? Have, have you played Smoke recently? <laughs> Um, okay, but fair. it's not even that it, it's like let's say hey, Phil clearly I'm not a top player like Kevin and I'm not a top player. the other Chicagoers I play Chicago. Smoke I've played nothing but Smoke this season except for the handful of Midas games I don't know how you run away that much uh-huh. so Any, my point is um, I think that in practice you're going to find that it's not that meaningfully different because let's just break it. If you break it at that five minute of death clock into five one minute chunks, and yes, I know you could give more than that, but you're not also not necessarily breaking that five minutes into one minute chunks. How many people are doing five one minute activations and pulling it out? Like that's a lot, and you could save time too, right? Because you could just be like, "Well, this activation Kevin, not be anything." Kevin, I hear you. You just start listening. I hear you. No, I'm even listening. I'm, sure. I'm giving you the the alternate. Like it goes back to what I, it goes back to what I said to begin with. And it goes back to what what Phil said as well. Sure. One of the differentiators, and I'll say it a different way. One of the big differentiators that made Guild Ball a better and more forgiving game for newer people than War Machine mm-hmm. was no death clock. No sure. death clock, and. You know, no hardcore, basically. Yeah, and 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 now we've gone. Eh, you know what? Four years in, fuck it. Let's go more towards War Machine. We'll just sort of start sliding it in the back end. Uh, I think that you're you're missing the fact. That and it if it doesn't make that big out. of a, if it doesn't make that big of a difference, then there was no reason not to leave it. I think it could have. Well, and you know what? This also boils down to. My other disappointment overall, it could have been handled more elegantly in a, in a different way. I think this change is fine. Like I said, I'm going to watch it in the next couple of events that I pay attention to. Most likely, this is what I'm going to go with for Spring Fling because it's in the OPD. I don't hate it, but I, eh, I, I'm, I'm in the very, very small minority of not being a complete pants spooging fanboy of this change <laughs> i mean you could also just well, like i wouldn't say that i was i was in that group either <laughs> i was the one who was like yeah you should do this and i'm not you know my pants are totally dry <laughs> i mean ultimately what it, I, I still feel like 
it's better, but it still sucks. Like that's that's sort of like I don't like running out of time mm-hmm. in general, but it's a necessary evil. Like yeah. you can't just let games run all day when you're on a schedule. Right, and what and I've heard other things like, you know, well, what if it's just unlimited, but you give one minute per minute or one point per minute, and then that just gets down to like, oh, if I can rush, I'll 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 not give up two points. I'll only give up one. Well, what if what if you don't? If you're gonna put this arbitrary cap in, but you're still gonna give the points out on activation, why not just let people keep playing their activation, but they give up a point at the end of the round, at the end of the activation, I mean. Um, but then you're just talking about basically unbounded amount of time. Nonsense, because you still have round timers, and you right, still have the slow play. Terrible round timers. You still terrible. have the slow play rule. That's uh, been I'm with there. Vince on this one that you don't need a slow play rule. Well, you shouldn't have clocks and a slow play rule. Those two things do not work together, because as someone who's like, okay, is there so a slow time, play rule right now? There basically is, it and it's basically like if it. someone's playing slow call the TO over, and get them to resolve it. The thing is, you, you shouldn't need slow play rules, right? Because if your timer runs out... You, yeah. you shouldn't, but by the same token, you shouldn't need a death clock either. Right, but here's the thing. What happens if you're a slow player, and you're going into these activations, and you're taking five minutes, and you only give me one point, and then the round timer goes off, and I have ten minutes left on my clock? So wow. what? If you were a better player, you would have scored more points. That's You'd not have true, nothing to worry you about. You have forty-five minutes is an equal resource. I like the whole point of a clock. The whole point of a clock is so that you have equal time. It's so that two players have as equal amount of time to play the game. So that if one person is slower than the other, that the person who is who like because there's a round timer. If there's no round timer, like at all, then. You know, your clocks can be longer and you can go into these like kind of freeform things. But with a round timer, if the round timer ends and each person hasn't had roughly equal amounts of time, it super sucks. And I've been in those situations in, in other games where you hit the round timer. I know people who play Guild Ball that have hit the round timer at various events. And it's terrible because they're like, I guess I lose now with 15 minutes left on my clock because this guy was sandbagging. I would, I would say that's well, one, because this guy is sandbagging. Two, just as terrible as a death clock. Well, it's I just a death, death clock, clock by another worse. name. I mean, it's sorry, just a death think... clock by another name. Uh, what? Round timer? Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it's it's so that everyone doesn't spend four hours waiting for one person's game to end. I mean, yeah, it's again, it's a necessary evil. Right. But I think that if, like, right now it's like 110 minutes, right? Like, it's you know, the timers plus 20 minutes. I think that you need, you know, like they talked about this on Strictly the Worst. It's like, if you do things like plots on the clock, if you did as much as you can on the clock, a lot of it would go away, right? You wouldn't even have to worry about the round timer. But we have to right now because people show up five minutes late. People, you know, you know, the, yeah. they don't start right People don't re-click their clock. People yeah. don't. Sure. Do good clock measurements. People take alternate activations on each other's clocks. Clock sure. is already a sloppy way, sloppy sure, way to it, play. It, yeah, and right from right from the beginning, the whole clock time of forty five minutes per person came up because 
I believe Matt Hart came out and thought to himself in one of his early things, every activation should only take about a minute. That's why the playbook is there and everything else. He was very proud of it and it should only take X number. And they sat down and tried to figure out how many activations should it take you to win a game? Yeah, if you think back to one of the earliest drafts of the OPD, uh, the 45-minute clock was one of the fastest format yeah. suggestions. It's 35, 45, and 50. Yeah. I'm not arguing that 45 is the right amount. I'm not But at you all. are by putting a death clock on the end. I'm not. I don't care what the number is. I just want the game to have an end that says... Because you know what the... War- you may hate death clock. I will tell you the actual worst thing. And this has happened to people I know who I will not mention. They can mention themselves. They live in the South. Um, I can mention it if you want. Um, but, like, the, the round clock hits, right? So the round clock hits, and you lose, but you have more time on your clock. That's the worst thing that can happen in the game. It super sucks. Like, if the other person is, like, you know... Because, like, you know, let's say you see the the round timer, and you're like, haha, I've been slowly but surely, or not even maliciously, but, like, I've been taking, you know, I'm going to do my plots, and I'm going to do all this stuff, and I'm going to, you know, think very hard and spend a bunch of time, and you're sitting there, and, like, I do this often, where you're just waiting for the other person to pick their plot out of the five that they have in their hand, that they know what they are, because they read them at the beginning of the game. Um, you're sitting there waiting, and it's like, what are you doing, man? Um you know, you get up on that, you get, you know, someone who's a little bit late, you get whatever, and then you lose the game because of the round timer end. You couldn't have done it. You could not have done anything to win. You lost because you couldn't have done anything to win. And that's worse than Death Clock, because at least in Death Clock, you had your time. You had it. Is there a... Is there a better way to do the round timer? Other than other than trying to get people to do more things on the clock? Or is that the way to handle it? That's where the TO comes in and does the whole, like, you know, you see someone who's lagging behind, they have to pay attention. It's a lot more active TOing. You know what I mean? Like, you can be like, you walk around and you'd be like, oh, these people, you look at their clocks in relation to the death timer and say, hey, guys, you got to hurry up. God um, forbid we have active TOs. Okay, but, like, you know, I'm not saying it's, it's like hey I'm you're running a 64 person tournament tournaments all right i can't be i can't be worried about clocks. you're running spring fling right and you've got 64 people they have you know that's 32 tables they're uh-huh. three feet each so it's 180 linear feet of tables yep. right you have a table at one end and a table at the other end that are having problems with their timer how are you like it's just a it's just space-time continuum. You just have to walk between them to pay attention. Like, it's a lot, and it's draining, and you have to be doing results. Like, I can see how it is hard. It is not just like, oh, you know, active TOs. Even an active TO is going to have trouble with that many people being on top of everyone's clock to make sure, like, in in this world where a round timer doesn't exist. Because another terrible thing is having to wait 30 minutes for one game to finish or 20 minutes for this last one game to finish we were supposed to and then the tournament goes an hour and a half over 
Necessary evils. Yeah, the clock is a necessary evil. I don't have and, a problem and, with the clock being in the game. Haven't had a problem even with 64 people doing the in-round management in active TOing to make oh, sure people yeah. are up and doing things. In between rounds is where I've had challenges in getting things done to the process that I like. And that's why at, you know, once you clear 45, 50 people, I think you probably should add at least one person helping, if not two. Yep, if I you're agree. a active TO, which also increases the amount of active activity you can put in during the round going. Mm-hmm. And over everything else, running multiple successful events, I've had all of one complaint about the in-round timers. And interestingly enough, the one time somebody said to me that they thought I had called the timer early, theirs was the only game that went to that round timer. Sure. And 31 other tables completed before they did. Sure. And And they still have plenty of time in many of the rounds I've seen within the round timer Mm -hmm. that the majority of games end quickly. Now, there are some games that end very quickly. There are some games that stretch right out to time, and they need somebody to come up and time their games. And most of those are in the middle tables. Most of those are in the middle tables. Sure. So competitive people, the ones who are going to suffer the least to the death clock, who also happen to be the people most in favor of a death clock aren't the ones that I'm really worried about because they're impacted least by the favorable change that they're asking for and that's been made. I, I don't think people are asking for a death clock, though. That's the thing. I think this is a middle ground between a full-on death clock and what we had before. Because there is still some time. And is five minutes the right amount of time? Maybe it's seven. Maybe, so maybe. I was going to ask, what's the difference between giving them five minutes and giving them ten minutes? Uh, you know what? I think five minutes might be too short, and I will fully admit that because you have a round timer that's twenty minutes plus the two clocks. So why not extend it a little bit, right? Why, why not, not just longer? why not just extend it to the round timer? Well, because why have a number? Because there's stuff that's off the clock. But if you've got a hard stop, and you're getting right. one victory point every time somebody. <laughs> Right. Transitions. Okay, so let's just go to the let it timer. run to the round timer, and give up the point every time somebody ends the or every time the person that ran out of their clock ends their activation. That puts the pressure on. That keeps you within the round. That gives the best benefit to the person who should be ahead, and it removes of... the negativity of oh crap, I have no chance because it's death clock. So when I run out of time, I'm done. I have no chance to try to play into this, and it removes the I'm going to play to the hard win condition of never engaging. I still strongly disagree with your person that exists <laughs> that is like, oh my god, five minutes is so much more demoralizing than one point per one minute activation. I, I would love to meet this I don't know because... that that is the... I don't think that's the conjecture. I think that the the idea that five minutes 
is the right number. It has nothing. It has nothing to argument. do with. But it has, I, no, I. My point is, it's purely a semantics issue. It's the fact that you've put in a hard lose condition that's not. I didn't score enough points before my opponent did. Round timer, people are going to understand because it's the entire round. When their game ends, before the round timer is up, and they feel like they could have kept playing and maybe pulled it out, even when they realistically have no chance at all, that's going to leave a player feeling sour. I, I, I clearly am not going to be able to convince you on this one. <laughs> um, because I, I still disagree with you. I get what you're saying. It makes me feel sour. So I'm arguing from the standpoint of the minute you put a hard death clock on, whether I am able to win without it or not, makes me feel sour. Okay, here's, the first here's... set of tournaments I went into that had a hard death clock and War Machine, I had no chance of winning those tournaments anyways. And the fact that I actually played people who actively looked, and this will happen because it's a death clock, who actively looked and went, oh, you have 30 seconds left? Fuck it, I'm not going to play this round. Go. Okay, here's the thing. It's not a hard death clock. because It's really a soft death clock because you have 45 minutes, then 5 minutes. So it's different. It is meaningfully different. Um, but two, it, to me it sounds like you would rather have someone you would rather than have someone hit a death clock, you'd have someone with time on their clock that has not clocked out yet hit the rent end timer and lose to someone who has been in extra activations. That's what it sounds like you'd rather have than a death clock. I find that as unlikely to occur as you find somebody disliking the five minute death clock i mean they're both probably pretty unlikely <laughs> like it's right that's the thing it's it's we're arguing about something extremely unlikely here we are it's an incredible corner case um and i get what you're saying like round timer has end but my timer has not um that sucks and i get what you're saying i think it's a necessary evil and i think that removing the pressure of because let's okay let's let's take an like i want to wrap this up but let's take a situation now i look at the board and i look at the, my influence i look at everything and i'm like if i can activate this captain and do whatever i want i have a chance you know maybe it's eight maybe it's you know 10 8 or whatever you're, you're, you're like, making a, so yeah i kevin anybody who wants to hear that argument can listen to strictly the worst i'm not making that's strictly the worst argument it, it's it's exactly word for word their argument I, i'm just i saying, can activate like, my captain with the most influence and i have three to four to two or however many minutes to do it i no longer have to rush to get my one minute in and i can right. still pull it out cool i get it i get it right so i will say because we probably have beat this thing into the ground. I will say I came into this thinking the new rule was pretty good. And I am leaving this conversation fairly convinced that we just need to use the round timer. <laughs> I really, I keep coming back to that in my head. Like, why do we have three different clocks? Why can't we just Oh, have... God. You want to talk about casuals? <laughs> That's a good segue. <laughs> 
every person that played this game that is not that wants to play competitively would just riot if you just went to the round timer. Well, no, I mean still have still have your forty five minutes each, but then, then go into, to just, one weird. point one point granting activations when you time out with a hard stop at the round timer. And, and don't get me wrong, I really I do like in Guild Ball the forty five minutes plus one minute per activation afterwards. Or not the one minute, one point when you finish your activation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's just putting out like somewhat reasonable limit on the amount of time you do that for. But I'm not sure one minute is unreasonable. And and I guess that's where I sort of get stuck is yeah, I, I so so if I the question it. is one minute sucks. One minute. So if one, one minute, minute sucks, sucks, make it two minutes or make it three minutes. What do you need? Like make it a reasonable activation that then ends. That way you don't have somebody going to an end instead of putting the hard the hard cap on it. Well, because you can go into extra activations and you know, there's twenty minutes, right? You can take six extra activations if they're three minutes. Your opponent could still be plus on clock. Right? That's the thing. That's that's the argument you'll also okay. hear is that I've like, heard I've heard plenty of people who are more than ten minutes up on clock over their opponent, which means they're still gonna be up on clock. Okay, but they're not up on activation like I get it, it, it should so be roughly equal like activations. Being, yeah, if you don't like being rushed on the one minute, increase the activation time for after the play clock has run out. I think that there's just I think that the, the thing that they're trying to do is they're trying to avoid the situation where the game the round timer ends and games haven't. I think that's really what they're trying to do. I think that that's what the OPD like that's what I read it as. Um, that they they don't want games. They don't want to call like dice down sucks. Like we'll, we could just admit that dice down just sucks. Nobody wants to go to a game and have it ended by dice down. You don't want to. You want to end the game because 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 like your situation. You, you want to end the game by oh personal dice down for you. Okay, but here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. You've said you hate Death Clock because it just has an additive, adds an end condition to the game. If you do the round timer, you still are adding an end condition to the game. I, I agree, and like I said... You're, and you're also in incentivizing people to sandbag in-game stuff because slow play rules are garbage. Because you're basically saying, like, hey, is, you have to call on your opponent you have to say, hey, judge, this guy's playing slow. And then they have to say, I just play slow. And then you, the rest of that game sucks. Like, the rest of that game from that point onward, when you call slow play on someone, just sucks because it's now adversarial. Slow play rules are garbage and should never be invoked. Because they make yeah. it... Because it's, it's not friendly. I, I, look, it's, you and I both agree on that. I, I don't disagree with that. But that's the only way to really make the the round timer feel like a fair way to end games. Like you want games to end 12-0 or 12 to something, right? You want games to end with one person having 12 points. Like that's what you that's what we all want. Well, and the the systems that allow somebody to to pass their turn up to 12 times. But they still can do that. You just well, they're, just, but they're not going less to. than if it's a if it's a, a four to nothing game. 
Oh, that's been a miserable game for both players. If it's a four to nothing game, that's going to be miserable for both players. It's now going to (laughs) end. But if it's a four, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be five or six six to to nothing. nothing. Yeah, that game was already going to be bad though, even if it's the round timer. So let's let's punish those people more. We're not punishing them. Punishing. (laughs) I know plenty of people where you say like this that hit those five that hit the one minute activations and just give up. They just shake a hand because they're like, I don't want to do one minute activations. Like that just happens because it's not fun. Well, so, I, don't, I don't know that if people see it as a lost cause under that rules, right. that they're going to look at right, five but, minutes but and giving was, up points as any different. But that was that was Bill's argument that, oh, well, I see five minutes and I'm just going to lose, so I'm just going to quit. They're doing that anyway. Anyone who's going to quit is going to quit. If you've already played 45 minutes and then you, the last five minutes make you want to quit, you were already going to quit. Sorry. Yeah, okay. I mean, because you've already spent 45 minutes. Why not at least try? That's your argument, right? Why not at least try? Yeah. All right. So, um, what did what did you want to talk about uh, <laughs> casuals for? What do we do wrong now? I didn't say anything. Bill was like, there's not enough casual stuff. Hey, Kevin, why do you hate casual players so much? I don't. I, yeah, I you told do. you I'd take devil advocate on he this. Just, yeah, you do. I think you're wrong, but... He, he just he just uh, sees me what, as... Why is the only... No, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm being antagonistic. Hold on, let me stop my clock. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can't You can't have this conversation off the clock. <laughs> well, we've, we've, got, we've got a podcast timer, though. Right, we do have a pod and a podcast timer. So, one of the things I've noticed, and I find it intriguing, uh, and I don't have a good answer for it. I hear people say regularly they prefer. I, I look at our GW players, and they they prefer a fun game. They don't want to get into a heavily competitive game uh, in my local area. What, what uh, I, GW game are they playing? Just curious, not not bashing. Just curious. Uh, any of them? I don't think there is a competitive GW. I mean, I mean, Underworlds is supposed to be. No, no, no. We were talking facts, not not sales pitch. No, no I think it is, but we're not, this is not a GW game podcast. I'm just... <laughs> so, more importantly, I remember a fair number of people talk about wanting to play casual events and how can we get progression. The big league came out early on there was a some level of work put into the big leagues and it was then never good really uh it... so why do you feel because i disagree with you completely i had okay. i've had multiple great big leagues okay okay let me be clear here things can be fun and also not great so what was what was not good or not great about it i mean most of the big league relies on plot cards uh-huh. Which are which were not good. Mm. Uh, were I don't understand why. Game. What was wrong with plot cards? I they were just not a great system in my mind. Why? Because um, they were super random. Except that in the big league, you built your own deck, so it wasn't super random. So your deck was don't touch the hair and some other stuff, right? 
Depending on your league commissioner and what cards were allowed <laughs> to be used sure. in. Sure, sure. I now, guess to you know, me... I, ultimately the... No, go ahead, Kevin. You finish your thought. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was because I was going to go off onto another flaw. So why don't you finish your flaw and then... I just didn't like plot cards, and I think it didn't... It just felt like you were just getting plot cards. And also there was, like, another thing in there that was weird about, like... You kind of had to decide what route you were taking, like for like for which kind of trophy you wanted to go for. At which point, you kind of like it was trying to simulate like the fluff, right? Like that was the thing. Yeah, there was the, the well, it gave un, you a three, the underhanded yeah. trophy and the it gave the you three win conditions. Yeah, that can be fun sometimes when everyone is really on board with it. Well, I think that the flaw in that system was that it. it it didn't scale downward. Mm. Like, yeah, maybe that's if why you I didn't only like it. had six or seven people playing in only your six. league. Wow, exactly. If you had a small league, those other trophies were messing with the flow of games. Whereas if you had, you know, the unicorn eighteen-player league or twenty-four-player league out there that probably never existed. Having those three different verticals actually, I think, yeah. improve could theoretically improve play. Right. But that all kind of gets to to my point, which was going to be that the the real flaw in the big league was never the rules of the big league. It was hurting cats, right? Like no no league ever ended with the same number of people it started, and those are even one-day leagues, you know? <laughs> Uh, and it's the same flaw that so, but, Blood Bowl but, had for oh, decades. I think that's going down the road of sort of the question I'm asking. Why? Why are people dropping? Why, because why life, is there... I mean, no, a lot of people aren't dedicated players in the first place. They just want to play a few games now and then. And right, then you because, say to them, you've got to give us every Wednesday night for the next three months... You know, sometimes Wednesday night's going to be a busy night. I think I can add a little to what Phil is saying. Because we're talking about casual, right? But the way Big League was structured, it required dedicated casuals. So, but I guess that's the problem with all of the casual. Because I've seen this. Big League was one of the examples I was using. But Rookie Leagues, which everybody who went to SteamCon raves about Rookie Leagues... People buy their rookies, and the only time across the country I see rookies fielded or hear about them fielded is as an alternate model oh, that's for your normal Some, team. Someone I was talking to, I think it's the Rochester guys, have a rookie league right now going on. So um, what makes their rookie league successful? Are they commit? Are they all committing the time? I don't, but the thing about rookie league, I think, is it rewards you even without necessarily committing as many games because you still can like i think that some people have said like you make a small modification where instead of just starting at one one you start one side at two one side at three so you already are starting with slightly buffed up rookies so you don't have a total garbage player on your team so you, you start a little ways in and i think it helps because yeah you can be like my rookie is this level oh you don't play that much well i can break out another team with a lower level rookie right there are ways to do it where it's because it's not a league, like it's not a full on, like I'm at the top of the league and I'm going to win a prize kind of league. So much as it's like a, 
a group progression. I think that's why it works. Like, that's why it worked at SteamCon, right? She just had the casual room, and everyone was just playing games. And it didn't matter that, like, there was no league structure so much as, like, a, I've played three games, I've got three levels. Right, and that is actually the only way that that casual, you know, sports game leagues can work is an open format schedule. There was, there was a variation of team management that... Some people, myself included, were uh, evangelized in the Blood Bowl world for a long time that used, you know, Blood Bowl was different than Guild Ball because the players changed and the teams changed. and Because they were just generic. Right. And so you would have all this player development. And what we ended up doing was to make league play possible was to say that you know, you can still do this player development, but at the end of the day, when you start your next game, your total squad points is this flat line that can't change. So when your players get good, you have to start cutting other things. Right, you just have like a cap. A right, cap, we had a, a team rating cap. Yeah. Now what and... I find interesting is both those things that you guys are mentioning, the problems you have with the big leagues, the reason you think the rookie leagues work, which again... I'm hearing of one place in North America that has a successful rookie league. Okay, well, I I'd love to hear of North America. No, uh, okay, but I'm telling you, I've traveled a lot and I listen yeah, you know. to. I don't hear any of the other podcasts talking about rookie leagues. I don't see rookie leagues discussed on. Now, I'm not in Discord much, but certainly not discussed across the little bit I'm in Gubs and Discord yeah, and Twitter. Yeah. I don't see them out in Denver when I've traveled oh, out there. Gosh. I don't see them around me here. Right, and then the well, next I, thing is the other it, casual, which is the release well, kits. But, okay, and but the majority of the Bill. release kits I've seen. You're, you're jumping past. I still haven't finished my sent my statement here. So I the whole point of the whole point of what we changed and Guild Ball, because I never got around to the point where I was trying to run a, a, a league, so I never really kind of developed my formula for doing this in Guild Ball. The point of this was to say we don't need a schedule anymore. Okay. Like the whole point was to create a format where you said, you know, if Johnny wants to play three games a week, if he can find opponents, he can play three games a week. Right. If Ted want, can only play once a month, as long as he's played some threshold of games at the end of our bracketed season, you know, if it's an average of one game a week, which is what we did, and you could cram them all on one weekend, then they you were, were still go. up for the awards, which we then spread really wide to accommodate as much stuff as possible, just so that everybody could sort of have fun on their own terms. That's how you run a successful casual league. The problem is... People get this notion in their mind that they need to arrange like a gridded schedule, like a professional league schedule where you play this guy this week, this guy next week, this guy in three weeks. In 12 weeks, you're playing Johnny and one or the other of you is going to have dropped by then, right? So, And the other thing is leagues like that can't deal with people coming in and out because they're so dependent on the on the the growth curve of the power levels of the teens well if you right. flatten everything out people could enter and leave at, at any time so i said right. so i i don't necessarily agree with that because you can make the same modifications you're talking about 
except for on the schedule and give people at this point in the league, you get this many points if you yeah. enter yeah, or if somebody leaves, you fill the spot. That, I do agree that's that a big an easy thing needs to a schedule because that's how it's built. But big well, league, you, as it was written, can't accommodate entrances no. and losses the same because, well, uh, because it is a growth, right? Like so he, yeah, you are, big, get, you are league, earning I, I can, points. Look, I can tell you Big League can accommodate losses because we I built in yeah. buys into the Big Leagues I ran. And it can accommodate entries because everybody's growing at the same rate. So It's just, just a matter of what you earn. I just want to... My point, what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to interject, is why does casual play mean leagues? It doesn't. No, it doesn't necessarily. But that's the Those thing. are the, the first old... two examples I had. Right. But the, the third was the the release, the release events, and I've tried to run some alternate game day events. And what I have noticed personally, and yeah. what I have heard when it comes to, which is why I want to bring up release events. Yeah. What I've seen with the release events is the first thing I'm seeing happen is the alternate rules and release events either get ignored by the players or ditched by the TO. And they just have a competitive tournament giving out the two models that are in the kit. Mm -hmm. And that is... So here's the thing. A lot of people... And when I played War Machine and when I played other games, and when I played Blood Bowl, like, a lot of the things were, well, we just want to play real games because we want to get better. Or we just, like, a lot of people have that mindset, right? Yeah, and also some of those variant formats, either the ones that are in the release kits or or some of the suggested variants, like the two balls and all that kind of crap, they're just not as good of a game. Like, Guild Ball has been built to be a really good game and to be as balanced and as fun of a game as it can be the way it's designed. And when you fiddle with that the game suffers like you're playing the game and you think if we were just playing regular guild ball this stupid thing wouldn't have happened so here's the thing and and i actually have been like the last uh we did a navigators launch event i don't know it was august so nowhere near launch but whatever um (laughs) and we did play with the rules and the thing is the people that came out to that event had a great time because the people that came out to that event wanted to play casual games I think that what you're finding is when you have these launch events is that the people who that they've attracted in that community, because Guild Ball is a competitive game, have largely become the competitive people. So you don't have real casual players in your community who just play once every, I don't know, who don't really care, but they just want to have fun. They don't really care about winning. You know, there are people like that that come up to events and they just like the events and not knocking those people. I'm not. I, I wish there was more of them. Because, you know, they're the people who fill in. The, like, I would take my foot off the gas and play goofy casual lists all, like, you know, most of the time if I could get those people to come out. If those people were coming out, I would play that way. You're right, because they fill in the in, in allow for larger competitive events, larger right. events as a whole, they, and they, they fill they in the community. They are competitive event. Like, I'm talking about people that are really casual that are not going to come to a competitive event because they don't want to play Alex Bots and just get, like, demolished. Or, like, they don't want to play someone like me playing Smoke and just get just demolished. Um, so, like, you know, I'm talking, like, purely casual. And the thing that you that you brought up with the first two is, like, you've got these two league-based events that require some amount of commitment. Even the Rookie League, which doesn't take that much commitment. 
because you can you can make it work because it's not really a league. There's no real winner. It's not yep. like it's not a league. It's just progression rules, which is the thing that this game sort of lacks. I, lacks is the wrong word because it's not the same. Like Blood Bowl has those. Progression oh, I know rules. what you mean, though. Yeah. Um, and Blood Bowl's progression rules are really great and they're really fun. But that's not a game like that's not they're not the same game at all, right? They're very different games, um, and they're designed to be the same game. Uh, excuse me. Um, but the the thing about that is like none of those things are just like straight casual. Rookie League is pretty close to straight casual. The rules that are in the um, the release kits are very casual. Like they're not balanced at all, and I think they can be fun. Like the Navigators one. If you go into the Navigators one and expect to have a competitive game, you're going to be let down. The 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 Falconers one, where the or the Navigators one, where the field was all flooded and anyone can only move six inches, but you have these water spouts. Like the water spouts were neat and silly, but being only able to move six inches is like not that fun. Um, so we want to talk about casual. Like some of those rules are are very. They're not super fun. Like, the one where everyone got flying for the Falconers was totally ridiculous. The game was utterly unbalanced. <laughs> because everyone had flying. And <laughs> it was just like, nothing matters. Um, it's like Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Nothing is forbidden. <laughs> everything is permitted. I, w- I would um, say it's more like Just Cause, I think. Is yeah. More the, yeah. The, it was, the I was talking... Anyway. <laughs> the, po- the point I was trying to make is like... They... The people who play this game define it more than I think the casual rules. Because if you look at it, there are way more casual rules than there are competitive formats. Way more. Well, but it's also because you only get one shot at competitive, right? Well, no, but like there's 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 doubles, but no, none of that ever gets run. There's like team formats which were created by the people, but even then you're just playing regular guild ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's right. not much more than that. There's not re- there's like Homelands Cup, which is not competitive uh, because those teams are not especially balanced. Um, so like there are a lot of cat like dodgeball and well, snake draft. What and, I would and say et cetera, et cetera. is what I would say is you only get so many swings, right? Like you only have so many event weekends in a year that mm-hmm. working adults can come to and even small that event, scarcity even like eight player events. well but even those you're only going to get so many exactly. of those a year and they're scarce so you're going to prioritize the real thing Right, but but you could like hey. let's say you're t- playing a like and this is why leagues work because you spread the tournament air quotes that you can't see over uh, multiple round over multiple weeks, right? But I think well, that, I would like, argue that leagues don't work, but okay. <laughs> sure, uh, the the premise of leagues right works right because you spread it across multiple weeks. My argument is rookie league is the best from my point of view because there is no league. Because there's no way to win. Yes, I will will agree with that statement completely. It has nothing to do with, like, you can just play two games, and sure, you're having, you know, maybe use the thing where you start with, you know, slightly upgraded. The one, the level ones are not that good, and they're not that fun. But, like, if you're playing a bunch of games, they'll get fun real fast. But if you're only playing one game a week, then it starts to feel bad, because it's, like, three weeks before you have, like, a moderately 
reasonable player. So if you start a little farther in with a few upgrades, you know, you, your, your characters get strong pretty fast. Um, so from my point of view, like as a casual format, that's really good because you can just pick it up and play. So then... Hmm. And, I, I don't and, and, and if I understand what you guys are saying, the belief is the reason we only see competitive tournaments for either large events or the regular weekend events is Guild Ball is a balanced enough game that people don't want to invest the time for a one day or a weekend. Well, clearly people... Clearly, TOs do not have enough faith in the community that the community is interested in either traveling to or even locally committing to coming out for a non-competitive day hey, Bill, event. Bill, I have a question for you. Yeah. What's the format of the spring playing? I'm right there, and I I'm agree just, with I'm you. I'm just telling you. Look, but, but, but that's any, sort of where... Well, hold on, Kevin. That that's... In... That's where my question comes from. Because even as a TO, when I have run, yeah, and, and this comes from experience, why is the Spring Fling a full-blown competitive event for my largest event? I know the answer, but go on. Because when I've run non-competitive events, nobody comes. three or less people show up. Right. Now, it's one thing when I go, okay, maybe that's just my local community. But what I noticed and why I wanted to kind of dig into this a bit, at least talk to two reasons. One... We have a pulpit. Why not use it? Sure. Two, I think both of you are, you know, semi-intelligent. I'm still on clock, right? Semi-intelligent <laughs> people to banter with. Five minutes up. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I was interested in your opinions on why is that? Because as a TO, I, I don't have enough faith in the community to run a non-competitive event. Right. And that will actually draw people. And that's sure. intriguing for me because... In other games, in other game systems, I have drawn people with non-competitive events. But are those games are those games designed from the ground up, not just in execution, but in the the thematic foundation of the game, which for Guild Ball is sports. Mm-hmm. It's a competitive game. And not even that, but like also so, the way the rules are. It's designed and has always been put out there and advertised as a competitive game. Right. So I here's think a, this is a self-selected community. I agree. Of competitive players. Mm-hmm. So to that end, and that's fair. War Machine was also built as competitive from the ground up, and I see food machines run regularly. I see, uh, which are very much, you know, here. Yeah, legal. but I think there's more cross pollination between collectors and painters and casual gamers in I, War Machine. I, look, I actually know a bunch of people, like, the, the southern Ontario area is a real hotbed for War Machine, um, and there's a lot of really competitive players here. Food Machine is an excuse to come out and just play around, um, and the game is bigger, so you, you have all these friends that you know, and, and maybe you come out and you, you do these events, and it, they're silly, but... Food Machine isn't really that different than regular War Machine. You're just donating things to Boost for free or do a couple other things for free. Like you're just But I bend, saw a lot more when we tried to rules. do... Yeah, when we tried to do 
Guild Ball in with Food Machine, it was not nearly as not nearly as successful in the Guild Ball community. And the people that did show up, and this is what I found interesting. Now I haven't run it in probably two years, so this may be three sure. years ago. But they wanted to just play Guild Ball rules. Well, because people don't want to screw to. with Guild Ball. So, so here's yeah. the thing: How many War Machine events regionally do you have? How many Guild Ball events do you have over the same period? Bet you there's more War Machine uh, events. At the time, there wasn't because I was running an event every sure. every month, and so okay. were that. Yeah, you're using anecdotal evidence, but like, I'm just saying that in general, at least I know from here, there are multiple stores um, that have a War Machine event, you know, every month, every six weeks. So there's probably an event, a reasonable okay. size event, every three weeks. There's maybe a Guild Ball event every two months, and you're not getting like. People are not dedicating the same amount of time as that's here. That's my meta and it's garbage, but like, you know, that's what it is here. Um, and I think that one of the things is that more people play war machine. And I think that's just a fact, Um, which gives you more casual, gives you more. It's not even more casual potentials. It gives you more competitive events total. Like, okay. So with more competitive events, you can throw in, a higher ratio of casual events. So let's say you get one guild ball mm. event a month, you know, every two months or whatever, you're, you're not going to want to be like, oh man, I want to spend all my guild ball time playing Navigator's release rules and only moving six inches maximum. You're going to be like, I want to play the game that I like. But if you had an event every two weeks, you know, also casual events, maybe if you have a weekly game night, work them into that you know work them into your game nights because that's going to be way more frequent that's where you're going to get your your spiciness and your chance so so don't get me wrong it goes back to my question because i even see on typical game nights everybody wants to practice for the next tournament which is it's intriguing to me that that's Mm -hmm. the community that's grown up around guild ball right and and i'm saying that if that's the case then I think that's that's how the game was designed, and that's how yeah, the game I mean, has been sold to us. That's that's the nature of the game is that it is a it is a contest. So I suspect I know Kevin's answer, but as the guy who rarely plays, Phil, yes, is that a detriment to the a larger community growing so that more people have games? Would you have more people down in Florida playing if it wasn't if the game wasn't designed and pushed for a more competitive environment? Um, no, I don't. I don't think that it's the competition that makes it ultimately a somewhat niche game. I think it's the. I think that there's only so many people who are going to bite on fantasy soccer. Hmm. And the ones who do are probably going to be looking for a game that feeds their competitiveness or at least their interest in the sports simulation, which is what I am. You know, I'm not a I'm not a competitive person. I'm a person who really likes the sports scenario. You know, I mean, I'm not like, I don't follow real sports. But when it comes to 
a tabletop game, I find myself to be very unsatisfied with battle games because the story that's being told is stupid. (laughs) And that's why I've always loved Blood Bowl and then Guild Ball is because the story that's being told is a great story. It's the perfect story for a casual war game. Sports are like that, right? Like sports are easy yeah. to. Yeah, I would rather watch a I'd rather watch a football movie than a football game, and I would rather play a, a game of Guild Ball than a game of Warhammer for the same reason. To me, it's there's a drama. Yeah, I think that there's the it's what you put into it, right? Because like, I don't just play Guild Ball; I play other games. I'm sitting here looking at a bunch of Adeptus Titanicus stuff right now as I'm putting together like a bunch of titans and you know you couldn't get more cinematic and than a bunch of big stompy robots walking around shooting missiles at each other and going like oh man that guy fell over and crushed a smaller one like you know I, I know that may bore you but to me it's like I come for game mechanics except when I don't like it's it's a weird thing like because like guild ball guild ball I'm very into the game mechanics right like right. it's a mechanics thing that for me whereas something like a GW game is an aesthetic thing for me where it's like I'll get my storytelling out of a game where I don't care if I win or lose because it's going to be fun because let's see what happens when you roll 8 million dice mm. right I don't think those games are very good competitive games I know people compete at them, mm-hmm. but I don't think they're, well, good competitors. See, and because... the problem with, for me is that if I just want to play a game, sure. there are so many board games that are, sure. by multiple degrees, better than any miniatures game in the world. You know, for me, miniatures games begin and end at the artistry. Sure. And where there's a handful that can cross over into being good games, that's great. But if I'm going to play a game to enjoy a game, it's going to be a well-designed board game. Because sure. they're just better. Most of the time, yeah. But they're also very rigid experiences. But that's that's what, if you're in for the mechanics and for the, the friction and the interplay, and, and that you want them to have rigidity and... and Sure, but then sometimes you want free form movement and like. But you're sacrificing. To do that, you are sacrificing a good game. Uh, because it has so. to be able to encompass so many random situations. Sure, I agree that there are lots of things that make a board game a very tight experience. Um, most of those, like, again, it's a. You've now taken the two-person problem and turned it into a four-person problem, <laughs> right? Like the reason I play miniature games is because years ago I was a really big board gamer, I had a huge collection that I've since sold almost entirely. But like getting people to play the same game two, three, four weeks in a row, so you can really just plumb the depths of something, mm-hmm. fucking impossible. Because there's a million games that come out, especially people... with game collectors that in the state it is like. Yeah, I mean, that's a thing. I have to accept that almost every one of my board games is going to be played at most twice. Right, and that's why I play minis games, because I friggin' hated that. Um, but then you've got people who buy a new army every or a new team every month, and they're, they're, they're sort of playing the okay, same Okay, let's be twice. fair. It's clearly not every month. 
(laughs) (laughs) Not anymore. Well. Good luck finding them. I don't think it ever Uh, was, to be honest, but yeah. um, But the point I'm trying to make is that, like, a lot of those games come at the game from a, we're going to make some, like, GW is a great example. Uh, I won't speak to Underworlds because that's a different kind of game. It's mostly a card game with some, like, it's a board game with miniatures on the it, board. It's right? a board game. I mean, it is yeah. absolutely a board game. There's no it's, it's mostly a card game with a board, right? <laughs> like, that's what it is. But anyway, <laughs> the, 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 the characters in that game are mostly just fancy tokens. They, yes. You know, they're there. It is a game where your bases are irrelevant, therefore they yeah. are. It is a board game. Yeah, and it's played on a board, but um, <laughs> you know. Um, but the point I'm trying to make is, GW has long since said that they are a miniatures company. They want to sell you miniatures. That's what their goal is. Stated goal, mission statement. Right. They want to be the best miniatures company. Mm-hmm. They make games because games are a good way to convince people to buy miniatures. Mm-hmm. Um, the games are fun if you don't take them too seriously. Yes. But Which is the per- take them but that's also perfect. That's a, also the perfect thing for casual, right? Yeah. We're talking about casual stuff. It's the perfect thing for casual gamers because you don't have to take it seriously because you can have a lot of fun without taking it seriously. Yeah. And and I feel like Guild Balls sometimes lacks in that department, where if you don't take Guild Balls seriously, it's not as fun. Hmm. Okay, so help me understand where you're going with that, because I'm not sure. Sure. Uh, what is rewarding in Guild Ball? What What do you find rewarding? What do you think is the most fun when you're playing a game of Guild Ball? Oh, see, now you realize you're asking me, right? I am asking you. But I don't <laughs> so, care what your answer so, is. I, I want to know genuinely what your answer is. Yeah. So I like big moments. Sure. I, that's what I like. I don't necessarily like the randomness of big dice rolls and stuff, but I like constructed big moments for either me or my opponent. Right. So you like big plays. You like shark going in for the full six influence activation, dodging a bunch of times, and, and but, scoring. But big moments, even the other way, right? I like I uh-huh. like seeing a huge setup and a big upset because you were way were way ahead. You built up thirty momentum. Nobody mm-hmm. ever built up thirty momentum, sure. but you built up thirty momentum. And Obulus goes legendary. Right. Do you think that if you played the game more loosey-goosey and you weren't, you're just kind of tooling around, the game is going to quickly devolve into I score, you score, I score, you score, I score, and the game is over, right? It's not going to be... I I disagree because we actually play fairly loosey-goosey unless somebody is locally, unless somebody is actively trying to practice for a tournament. Sure. So there are certain play players, Dixon, who doesn't mind me mentioning him. He and I are almost always playing, even if we're not on clock, mm-hmm. we're almost always playing some sort of competitive level practice game. Okay. So I, now I have other me, people you lost me at not on clock. Yeah. I, in fact, the majority why would of you my do games that? are not on clock. Oh. I, never, I never play on clock. I'll tell you why I say, uh, because there's nothing in the game that forces you to play except, the game. 
except for two players wanting to play the game. Exactly. Sure. But but I want to have a chat while I play the game. Exactly. Sure, sure if that's what you want. And I don't want to have to keep worrying about pausing my clock. Yeah, and I, I don't mind playing a four-hour game. Uh, see, I don't think... The thing is, I don't think Guild Ball is a good game when you play it over four hours. I don't think it's a game that can hold your attention for four hours. It's held my attention in several of my locals just fine. But are you chit-chatting and walking around the store and drinking a beer and like because hanging it there's a difference between hanging out and playing guild ball and playing guild ball because <laughs> you've talked about the things you're like i like chatting with my opponent sure but then you're just hanging out with someone yes <laughs> that is what i'm doing yeah hanging out with someone over a game of guild ball yes you could have played any game and it would have been probably yes. the same absolutely we could have the guild ball is game. kind of ancillary to that thing right right Except that all of us like Guild Ball and like the things that are still happening in the game, even if they're not happening immediately. And yes, I have no problem. Last Tuesday, sat down to play a game with one of my locals, Alex, and had no problem saying to him, look, roll it out. Here's my card. I know you're going to do your attacks. Did you want to want me to grab you a beer? Let me go grab you a beer. I'll come back. Let me know what happened on the turn. And I got back. He was like, this is what happened. I'm like, cool. We moved on. I re-looked at the state of the board. And we moved on to the ne- you know the next activation and kept going. Sure. But we were hanging out. We were joking. I had people at other tables asking me questions about some rules here and there. There was one very competitive game going and two other, again, very casual games going. Okay. I think you're taking my tongue-in-cheek comment about the clock a little too seriously. <laughs> uh, because like you know if you don't want to put the clock fine right like you know play as long as you want and as long as you have um i'd rather play two games in a night than one game that went on that long but that's just me um because i like kind of constant action like when i'm playing this game okay. i want to see constant i want i want the game to be going right i want it to be progressing i don't want to be distracted i want to be in it and then we'll talk after Right, and then we'll go to the bar and we'll get burgers and beer after the game, right? Um, and maybe, and that's just me, and that's just how I approach it. And that's that's I'm not saying you're wrong, um, but I think that the thing is, like, as you're playing the game that way, and we're coming back on the casual thing, like, what? Because you, you said, like, well, you, you said originally you posited this as, is, is Steamforge doing enough for casual players? And mine was like, yeah, look at all these formats that they've given us over the years. Um, and, and Rookie League being a fully developed thing that they yeah. sold models and cards for. Um, now, given it's way too hard to actually find those things to print them for yourself, they should be way more obvious. Uh, I agree. But that's, a, that's an aside. Um, but my point is, like, there are a lot of formats, there are a lot of things that would support exactly what you want to do if people wanted to do them. Well, it, and it's two things. Is Steam, yeah, my question was twofold. Is Steamforge doing enough for it? And number two, again, exactly what I asked, right? Why? What are Europeans about why people don't? Which I think you guys sure. explained very well. We don't need to dive back into it. Sure, sure, sure. I'm just trying to frame the conversation. Um. And I think that there are ways you can play this game totally casually. Uh, I know that I've tried to introduce some friends to it um, who would not in any way play competitively. 
uh, and they tend to s- tell me there's just too much going on to to treat this as a secondary or like game I don't play that often. And I think that's the thing maybe we're losing with the casual conversation. Even if you were to play like one of these more casual formats, there's a lot to remember and a lot to do in a game of Guild Ball. Each character has unique traits. Each character has unique playbooks. Each character has character plays, and they fit different. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued by where you're going with that because I do not find it that challenging to keep all that in my head. But then I'm also the person who didn't find the same level of complexity and more so on Malifaux characters to be too much to remember. I thought Malifaux was... I like Malifaux and have played it as well. I thought it was a lot as well because you had to remember all of your stuff and all of your opponent's stuff and most of it was like on paper. Malifaux's problem is, and Gilbo has this to a lesser extent, but on paper, it's a lot... It doesn't click the way it does in person. So you'd come up against someone who'd played something that you hadn't played before and you'd be like, I don't know what the fuck is happening right now. And then you'd lose. And when I was getting into Malifaux, and I was going every week... Now, do you, do you phrase that as a bad thing or a good thing? It depends, right? Because ultimately you want to enjoy yourself, right? And, you know, when I was playing Malifaux, I was not playing competitively at all. Um, I was just playing to hang out with people and have fun. And I did, and so it was successful from that route, from that, that point of view. But it's also a lot to keep in your brain. And, you know, a lot of people, are like you know, I'm... I'm kind of a competitive person. Like, I don't want to go every week and lose. I never won a game of Malifaux in the all the time I was playing it, um, because it was just there's too much to keep in your brain, and unless you're immersing yourself really in paying attention to it, you can win. Maybe Malifaux's harder to win um, than Guild Ball would be, because Guild Ball's pretty straightforward in the goals, right? And right. You, and and your opponent can just randomly get diced. Um, so, but the thing is, like, there is a lot to remember, and I don't, I think that the reason that you say, think that maybe Malfo or even Guild Ball doesn't have a lot is because it's like a game that attracts you, right? You're attracted to the amount of stuff you have to remember to play well, Guild Ball. Well, and I also play, when I play board games, I'm also very happy playing things like Republic of Rome, which has a 35-page rulebook. And... Oh, I want to play the heaviest board games in the world. Right. Like, uh, and I want to play them, like, 50 times. Like, that's the thing. Um, and you, you're never going to get that unless you move to a miniatures game. That's the thing. Or if you go to some big chit encounter, you know, P500 or, game. Or have a group that's going to play regularly. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. I but, mean, don't uh, get me wrong, right? When I look at the number of games Gloom I played... Hayden, Kevin? Uh, no, but I have Kingdom Death. Okay, fair enough. Oh, Kingdom <laughs> Death is fantastic. But that's another one that has a ton to remember across the entire but game. It, but but then it it doesn't though because it's also kind of <laughs> it, it it's it's deceptive in its complexity. Like Kingdom Death is not hard. You roll a bunch of d10s, and sometimes your arm gets eaten off by a lion. So like, this is kind of the same argument though I would make about Guild Ball, which is the the basics of Guild Ball are very straightforward, and sure. there's a handful of them. But the and you can play with those basics and play the game. The, You're just not going to play at the top tables. Right, but the difference is a game like Kingdom of Death or Gloomhaven, those are competitive games. Or, sorry, cooperative games. A game like uh, Republic of Rome or Diplomacy, which is like the, like the most simple rule set in the world, 
um, or like I like Brass, which is a, a yep. railroad yep. industrial building game. Um, they also have kind of a defined path to victory. They have a defined like set of things you want to do um, because that's how board games work. Is, is there's not it's not as free flowing. It's not as much synergy in how you place things are where and and what you're going to do to achieve victory and how you can come up with something interesting. Um, and I just think that like Guildhall can be intimidating. I think it's a it can be a bit of an intimidating game, and if you walk into it and go yeah 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 I know, or if you walk into it and you're like. I've heard this is a good competitive game, but I'm not super into the theme. Or if you're really into the theme, but you're not really into competitive games, those first couple games you play are going to be really important like for, for how you feel about it long term. Um, and if you don't get a group going where you can trust people to want to play those kind of casual games, like it can really be really off-putting. Okay, that's that's. I, I see where you're coming from there, and I don't think that it's a lack of Steam Force trying because I'm sure they would love to have a bunch of casual people who would buy their product and. Well, know. but but I'm pretty sure that was the goal of putting the kickoff out, right? To get this into board gamers' hands, to get this into a wider audience, and I. I I feel like maybe that's old well, but like once you that's the thing is a they give you two plastic teams that didn't have their second six models in plastic, um, so you can't expand them, um, and then you start getting into this world of okay I've got these plastic teams and oh now I have to put all this metal together, and I'm not going to do that, um, and then they had all the plastic teams which are supposed to alleviate that, and then obviously all the troubles. Um, they've come after that. Um, so yeah, I know what you're saying, and like you know, maybe, maybe it's the gap that board gamers or, or or people that are not miniatures gamers already have for you know measured movement. Like that's a thing that is off-putting to some people. Yeah, it is. I I can't. I've got I've got a, a board gaming group that I've been playing with now for. I mean, for years, seven, eight years. And these are guys who are willing to play any board game, any card game, anybody buys. You know, at our once a month get together, we pull them out, we play them. Completely, completely open minded for anything with structure. And then I try to show them how a game like Guild Ball works, and they just, they just back away. They just cannot. They they can't make that jump to. But I'm guessing they'll still game. play Massive Darkness or. Absolutely, we just played that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, but there's so squares. Almost as many, almost as many miniatures on the board. It's not about the miniatures. It's about the <laughs> it's measuring. The it's it's the, measure. the measuring. Yeah. You know, I honestly think that these guys might enjoy uh, God Tier. Uh. No comment. <laughs> we are a you know, guild ball. Re- replace, no, no. Replace, this is guild ball tonight, not got here tonight. Right, um, this is guild ball tonight. Good. So let me talk about Aristea. Um, 
Oh, Which I is, love Aristea. I love it's the best. Oh man. Should have done Sprint Flame as an Aristea though, over there. Uh, if 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 I could get people to run it, absolutely, I would have Aristea there. I've already asked the local. Uh, interestingly, I've already asked the local people who run Aristea if they will run tables of it, and they and they basically said, eh, yeah, yeah, I come know. back to us. That's that's the problem with Aristea is its community is even smaller than Guild Balls. Right. Um, yeah, it's the Infinity, which the I think the Infinity guys were. It's have a gone so long. Of a fraction of a small, yeah. Well, yeah, Infinity's gotten bigger, but they've gone so long trying to fight for their own space in, in Infinity yep. that they're like, well, if we give that up, we give up any ground, right? We're well, in trouble. It's also it's also weird because I don't think because Aristea, and we're talking way out of Guild Ball, but it let's say you made a game that was like in the Guild Ball universe, but it was like a twenty eight millimeter like, War Machine-style, army-based game. Like, you know, you're in that 30-model range. Do you think that a bunch of the people who play Guild Ball now would be like, yeah, I'm going to jump on this game? Probably not. Um, because it's a completely different game. Just because it's in the same universe does not mean it's going to be... Um, even if it shares some similar mechanics, like playbooks or whatever, um, which Arstea kind of does with Infinity, like, I don't think people would cross over, because... It's a different game completely to what you enjoy from that company. I mean, I, think, I probably wouldn't transition to a game that big. Nah. No, and if they made something smaller, also, right? Well, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't play a, a game with that model count anymore. And if you made it smaller, I'd be asking, "What's the point?" We've got Guild right, Ball. exactly. So, I think that that's your thing about RSA is that you've got these people who they need to. You can't just try and sell it to the same. You can't. It's like God tier. You can't just sell God tier to your guild ball players. Right. Yeah. God tier is going to have to. God tiers. I mean, God tier may have some crossover, but I think it's going to have to build its own. Well, it's uh, going to have crossover in as much as every guild ball player plays something else. Right. And and maybe some of God them will play God tier might maybe be not. that game for some people. Yeah. Now but, the difference I'll stay with Aristea is they used several of the same characters yeah that are in infinity that's just fluff right yeah like if you put if you put well, fluff and models. tap if you put tapper in a in a like a 28 millimeter like no nope. i'm not disagreeing with you that it didn't yeah. work i'm saying that their initial plan was if they put yeah. some of their characters in it would, they it would have this people. pull through yeah but it hasn't like that's a thing and, and instead, and, I see it go the other way, where several of the Infinity players are like, how upset are you, Mr. Opponent, if I play with a model that's slightly out of scale from the rest, because this is a cooler model from the Aristea line. Yeah. Well, and if you remember back to the the Kickstarter days, Drink, um, that was one of the things that was uh, on the table at the time, was the Guild Ball World battle game. And... and they decided actually, for a variety of reasons to scrap it, and they were all good reasons. I'm sure that they were good reasons. I think for me, Gautier would probably be more interesting if it was a Guild Ball World Battle game, but um, you know, the Century Wars or whatever. Um, so, you know. <laughs> Mercenary Captain Blackheart. Why well, does the... I, uh, let's, let's Why does up. the story I in a battle game matter when it doesn't? 
But the okay. thing is, well, that's true. Well, it does and it doesn't, right? It depends on your purpose, and this is how we get back to casual games. If your purpose is to make a tight, fun game, the story does not necessarily matter, right? The story of Guild Ball doesn't matter um, unless you're trying to make Dan White angry by telling him how bad it is constantly. Um, <laughs> but wait, you like, I, I mean, that was, we forgot the news today. Kevin likes one of the stories. Yeah, I did like one of the stories. And then I found out that the character I thought it was based on was from a book. So Patrick Rothfuss has two books of a trilogy, not going on that tangent right now. But I love those books, and the main character's name is Quoth, and it's he's like a polyglot yes. musician, whatever, right? And I was like, Nomad is based on this guy, and it's going to be awesome, because I'm going to have this cool musician, handsome son, as my alchemist player. And then we voted for guns, because ugh, it drove me crazy. Um, and anyway, so I was like, you know what? I'm the one character I'm interested in the Free Cities fluff. It's this guy, because I've been interested in him all along. Sherwin was like, hey, who are you talking about? And I'm like, oh man, you haven't even read those books, and you just designed the same character? I don't believe you, but whatever. Um, <laughs> anyway, long story short, I thought his piece with Ballista was good, because I thought it was like characterful, and it wasn't dark or grim. It was just like, oh, this guy's smart, and Ballista likes him. <laughs> like, And it's just, it's just like, it's nice to have something nice. And I thought the lane piece of fluff today was okay. Like it was reasonable. Like, you know what? They're trying to help this guy out. Most of these pieces for the Free City stuff now have been fairly nice because they've been really fluffy. And you know what? That's what I want from fluff. I want it to be fluffy. Anyway, that's uh, my side. Um, I hear you. And, okay. So so before we... we... You had something else. You were. I was just gonna say that. I I was just gonna say that. I think that you either approach the game from the rules first or the narrative first kind of way, and better casual games approach it from the kind of narrative first approach. Hmm. Okay. That's why so many GW people love just playing those games casually. So, uh, so Kevin, I'm gonna need your help with this. I don't know, Phil, if you've you've heard about this or not, but uh, I am baffled. And before I reach out to the rules lawyers and, uh, and and question them, I am trying to figure out what I'm missing. So I'm hoping you, Kevin, can help me out. Okay. So you ready for this? Uh, probably not, but okay. <laughs> the rule book, I know, God forbid. The rule book says, any damage suffered by a condition. Oh, God. <laughs> or by a trait. Or play, which includes the phrase condition damage, uh-huh. is condition damage. Okay. Condition damage ignores effects that increase or decrease damage dealt. Yes. Period. Full stop. Yep. Okay. Blessings of old says. Mm-hmm. Let me get the actual wording here. This model cannot suffer more than two damage from any action. Mm-hmm. Rules lawyers have said actual conditions is not an action, so he takes full damage, but character plays, legendary plays, etc., are reduced to two damage. Right. 
That's what I would. I'm confused. Argue. No, because a condition isn't an action; it's a state, and it, it well, happens at the end of the turn. No, what because anything is, yep. that has the word "condition damage" in it is condition damage and cannot be decreased. Right. But you're not. Uh, so here's the argument, as I think it's meant to be. This is one of those like rules is intended questions. I think. I think. Okay. So they're basically saying. We intend that this thing says no action can cause more than two damage, right? So in theory, if there's three hunter traps on the board and Eb walks through all three of them, you only take two damage because the action was move, right? So the actions are the actions, right? It's like move, sprint, charge, you know, those kind of actions, act, attack, those act, like actions. Um so I think that what the rule as intended here is is any action can't cause more than two damage. That's pretty pretty straightforward. And I get what you're saying about condition damage can't be reduced by traits. So this is a situation where you've got this kind of thing that doesn't agree. Right? So you've got two things. One which says that you can you can't take more than two damage. And one thing that says you can't take less than whatever, the, like impulse, let's say you're doing three damage, right? Right. Um, so you've got two negatives, and you say, these two things, we both cannot build the wall, and we cannot open the government, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> Nice. Well played, We had sir. to bring it back, right? Well played. Um, you've got two things. Fortunately, in this case, we have a group of people who say, you know what, we're actually in charge of the rules and we can say we can resolve this situation right they've and they've chosen to resolve that situation where these two things cannot exist next to each other by saying in fact you can't do more than two damage with with anything except for you know end of turn like if it's an action they've picked the action supersedes the condition damage as opposed to condition damage supersedes the trait those would be the two things, right? Either the trait wins or the, the condition damage wins. They chose the trait. That's why. Okay. They, just, I, they I, had to pick I, one or the other, right? No, no, no. Don't get me. I, well, no. They I, they didn't. They, they basically, I, and I get it, right? The rules, I, I'm not arguing the rules lawyers. I don't understand the logic that brought the rules lawyers to this point outside of it needs to be worded better. I think that the I I don't necessarily think they got it right within the context of the rules because I think they should have been like either the trait should say including condition damage. Uh, yeah, which, yeah, which, clarified rule, uh, clarified wording. They're not going to errata right now. That's the thing, right? They're going to do that as part of a document when they do the broader thing, and maybe they'll clear it up there. Um, you know, but the thing is like. Well, no, and they did. They and they've clarified it, right? Sure. They've clarified it on the rules forum. So, <laughs> yeah, I this was one of those things that I was like, "What logic am I missing here?" And you're kind of. It sounds like you've come to the same place I had, which is there's really no logic to follow. Right. It's a it's a arbitrary rules lawyer decision within their rights to do. Not saying it's not it's oh, wrong. No, no. I'm not arguing it, but yeah. there's no logic to follow to get there that somebody I else could think, build up to get there. So I think the logic and I. Forgive me if I'm wrong on this. Please don't try and correct me. <laughs> I think that the rule book and most rule books I've read say the things on the cards supersede uh, 
the rules in Except the book. you can't do that. Actually, you can't do that because if you did that, then Tough Hide being on the cards would also supersede the book. Well, Tough Hide, uh, let me see if I have the wording right here. Tough Hide says, says they take negative one damage. Uh, from playbook or enemy plays. plays. Yep. Yeah, it says uh, plays. Yeah, condition damage is, look. Look, I agree with you, and it's weird that the oh, no, <laughs> that in one it's weird that in one case it doesn't, and one case it does. Yeah, I was trying to figure out if so. In this case, I don't even I, see. I disagree. I don't think it's the card superseding the book. And actually, I actually don't think that's in the rule book. Oh, maybe, maybe not. I think I mean, this some, is some... one of the games that doesn't. But let okay. me check real quick. Um, uh, you know, rules reading on a podcast is. Uh... Well, no, it's, it's I, you know, not so much rules reading, but, you know, if there yeah, is a yeah. conflict between. Yeah, the cards and the and okay. the rule book, which, which, and some, some games will have it be like, whichever is more permissive, right? Yep. So if you say you can't do this. Permissive. Yeah. yeah, one or the other, right? They'll make a thing because they know the situation comes up. In this case, you've got two negatives right? and there's no way to resolve it without just saying which of these. Which of these nevers has more? Oh weight? yeah, yeah. I, again, I'm not arguing it at all. I, uh, I, the ruling is the ruling, and and I think it stands. I understand why it's there. <clears throat> not even saying it's unfair or unbalanced. Um, no, I was I, trying I, to figure out was I missing a logic? I step don't think you were, because I think if I were to look at this and come at this from like a logical point of view, I probably would have gone the other way. Uh, because it's like, well, tough hide doesn't reduce it, so why should super tough hide? Right. You know, like, I, that would have been my argument. Maybe someone made that argument and then lost, right? <laughs> I, I bet. You know, I, that's how the lawyers work. They, they go back and forth and try and convince each other until both until everyone sticks their feet in the sand, and, and then the people who work for the company go, well, we want it this way. Right? You know, because that's what it's going to be. Like, if, if Jamie and Bryce and Steve... If they decide, like, hey, we want this rule, yep. and the lawyers go, actually, that doesn't work because of this, this, and this, and present them with the evidence that it doesn't work, then then I can see those guys being level-headed and saying, yeah, absolutely, you're right, we should, we should rule it this way. But if they say, we want it this way, and the lawyers go, here's the counter-argument, but it's not, like, super strong evidence, then it kind of comes down to the people who work for the company going, like, okay, this is what we've decided and moving on, right? You know, this would be one of those great things to ask a developer if I were to have one of the Guild Ball developers at the developer's dinner at the Spring Fling. Oh. Here we go. <laughs> what, what, what do you mean, here we go? I could actually, I, I want to take a very brief tangent off this. I'm going to be very, very brief. So there's a ruling this week on Veteran Harmony um, that she can't absorb more damage, like let's say you do smokes legendary and yep you know you hit multiple people and she would go like a billion points of negative damage and just soak it all up and be like haha right i actually thought that was the original ruling that she only went up to what she could put on her card that wasn't before it was just like her card says if she's on the table she can take the damage instead right yeah that's exactly what it was they ruled that that she can only take up to her damage and whatever like i'm not going to get into the argument i'm not going to get into the whatever there was an argument the other day that we had about like how this was communicated because it was only on the rules forum. There was not a post. There was not an errata. Really, the errata should say, you know, if this model has unmarked damage boxes on its card, 
then it does its team player thing, right? Like, you could fix the card by just writing that one sentence. Um, you don't have to have anything fancy. Um, but it doesn't, and they're not doing errata until these drops, which, you know, hey, they said they were getting rid of cards and using an app so they could do it more frequently, but look, I'm not the one in charge of doing this. Um, the communication through the rules forum is garbage. The forum is dead, and they only write on Facebook. So why do their rules get ruled on this one rules forum? On a dead forum. It's the source of truth <laughs> for nothing except for the rules. Uh, which is weird. It's super weird. Um, well, at least I can see the rules forum. Right. Not everybody's on Facebook. I'm not e- well, I'm not either. And, and I'm on Facebook because of my job, but not for... Um, I'm not in gubs or anything. I'm not in any sort of special groups. So I wouldn't see them either. Um, but there's no communication. There's no like blog post. There's no centralized PDF that's like, here's the collected clarifications that we keep up to date. I talked to Sam from the Longshanks and was like, we should just put a page on the Longshanks where we keep a like a like we keep our own version of that document because they're not okay, doing it. So, so hold on. Hold on. There is a collected clarifications that was updated as recently as January 20th. Uh-huh. Uh, it is on the forums, has been on the forum for a very long time. I agree with you. And has always carried a date of the latest update and is supposed to be updated. Right. And I, was think it, it, I think it probably is. But here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing. There's no, like, A, that's the de facto thing, but, like, nobody's using the forums. Right, they've they've kind of abandoned their own forums except for that one forum, and so it's not a very it's not a great communic it's not a great communication tool because you can't broadcast. Hey, there's been a rules update. Like okay, if, so hold on, hold if on. If the Guildhall Twitter account said, "Hey, there's been a rules update," and they posted it on the blog or something, here's the latest clarifications. Go see the thread. Right. So when you say people have abandoned the forums, you're talking about all the people who. Or you're clearly not talking about the people who posted as recently as seven hours ago, as yesterday, as like there are still some people on the forums. I don't mean wholly, but I mean Steamforge doesn't post on their own forums that frequently. Okay. True. But to be fair, Steamforge doesn't post anywhere frequently. And when they do post, they're posting in they're private posting groups. As like, or they're posting as like a reply to a Facebook thread. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, Steamforce as a whole, and this isn't to jump on them for lack of communication. I mean, they, they, we, we have certainly jumped on them a lot. Sure. For exactly that. But, you know, they, they have official forums. That's a place for people to go for whatever reason. I mean, I'm not saying it's the easiest place to find stuff, but that it is the official place to go. Yeah. So, I, my point is that. In addition to just writing it there, there should be broader communication. They should have made another announcement. It's just broader communication in general. Like, here are the current rulings. If you make a ruling, put a date. Maybe you have all of these rulings are valid as of the first of the month. Every year, every month on the first of the month, we're going to do a blog post or a forum post that just lists here are the rulings that have happened in the last month. Dude, that and, that would be awesome, but they yeah. I mean they're just yes, saying, their as, communication is lacking. As a competitive player, I could today be like, I'm gonna go play Veteran Harmony at a tournament. Go to the tournament tomorrow and have someone be like, actually they ruled that that works differently. 
in the middle of a game, and I'd have no idea because there's no and there's no real official way to. Well, there's so, nothing really official. Like there's no broader communication. It's just like. So who's responsible? I mean, is it the responsibility? It's kind of every that's... player's responsibility, mm-hmm. but like. Right, they, and you have, really and you have a place, their own I mean, forums that much. But that's the the devil's advocate here is it's every player's responsibility to be up to date on the rules. Yeah, and you you know the place to go. There yeah. is an official place to go. You go to their website and then then go there. To be right? fair, through their forums. To be fair, if you started this game within the last year, they really haven't pushed much on their forums. Not that much, um, as a company. Like, sure, people post there. But like as a company, they've been kind of drawing away from their forums over the last year. But it's the months. only place. It's the only place that rules are. I mean, it, exactly. But if I'm said, a new player, how do place. I know that? How do I know that? How do I know that? Where's my link? Where, if I go to Guild Ball Hub, where does it tell me to go look in the rules forum for clarifications? Is it on there? I actually haven't looked. It might be there. Like I might just be wrong, and it's right there in my face. Um, Guild Ball is it Guild Ball Hub dot. Yeah, nobody know. knows. Uh, no, nobody uses that site either. So look, I go to SteamForge.com, which yeah. is where I would imagine most people go. I go to the, yeah. I go to resources, gaming resources, and there's gaming resources and there's forum, gaming yeah. resources, Guild Ball Manager app, Errata Season Four, the all four or three Errata. I mean, those questions. are just the cards Errata, and those are valid Errata. Yeah, there's a rule book. Yeah, and then I would have to go to forums. But the thing is, if you're a new player, you look at that page and you don't know that you have to go to the forums. You might not care about forums. You might not be. You might just be like, whatever. I don't care mm-hmm. about forums. Yeah, I mean, the bigger question is, the bigger question is, where is the uh, where is the where is the rules reference in the app? Yeah, the. the <laughs> Because there's, keeper, I mean, because the technically, I if I'm getting new into this game, unless I buy the kickoff box, there's no rules for the game. Right. Guild Ball, GB Keeper for iOS, the vastly superior Guild Ball app, has a link in the resources. It has a PDF built into the, the application. And, and that one actually, but not just that, you also can search rules queries and it searches the rules. Yeah. yeah. It's great. It's such a good app, but it's only iOS. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which is why they didn't choose it, and instead we get TV Manager. Um, but anyway, like I'm saying, like it's not obvious to find those things, and they can affect how you play models that you own, and you don't know that you have to play them differently. And if you're newer, or if you're just not paying attention to this dead forum, you'll never see it. All right, so what did we learn today? <laughs> we learned uh, Bill hates clocks uh, we learned that I maybe don't like the rules change as much as I thought I did I like it more now okay good so we like learned uh, casual players should play another game uh, we, I did not yeah, say we, I never said that we learned that there's no such thing as a casual guild ball player and what, what was this this whole thing here at the end <laughs> I'm not exactly sure what happened there they should communicate rules changes better. Okay, very good. All right. Well, that was fun. And uh, we're on schedule for once, assuming that I get this edited and out. But uh, we'll, we'll be optimistic about that. And uh, Optimism. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and um, 
you know, have a... I guess you don't say have a happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. You have you say have a, a thoughtful, perhaps, or uh, pensive, or... Um, <laughs> or have a, uh, meaningful... Have a- Martin powerful Luther, a powerful martin luther king jr day and uh we will see you um in uh you know in a couple of weeks for what i'm sure will be hopefully a slightly more news filled episode of the uh the guild ball tonight podcast so uh this is me phil saying good night uh say good night good night all all right To join the conversation, comment on the show post at guildballtonight.com or email us at guildballtonight at gmail.com. Also, feel free to give us five stars on iTunes. Every little bit helps. But when you do, don't write a review of the show. No. Instead, just tell everybody why you love Flint so very much. Guildball is property of Steamforged Games Limited. The views and opinions expressed by the host and guests are their own and do not represent the official position of Steamforge Games, Yo-Yo Dine Propulsion Systems, Aperture Laboratories, or even the other hosts and guests. Dogs barking can't fly without umbrella. once again for another installment of Ox's Poetry Corner. My favorite clock is the one that I use to hit you in the face.